Welcome to the 76th edition of the Pro Wrestling Zone. I am Tiger Height. And I am Peanut Gallery. I am still Majestic Champion of the World under the most BS technicality in the world. Yes, because the match that we had a difference on was changed. Yes. So, um, but before we get into that, let's go through some news. Okay. Casey Cantazaro. We already talked about it. And I talked about it on my TikTok, which you should follow because you get to see my beautiful face and me mm-hmm. bitching. But she, the backlash from her Twitter video from the controversy was so bad that she actually had to delete her Twitter. People, there is nothing wrong with what she did, once again. Ugh. Anyway, Kyrie Sane. Huh. Huge event going on for the women of stardom. Huge uh-huh. event for their event, right? Kyrie Sane, a innovator, one of the key principal people in stardom in their rise, right. is did not get permission by WWE to work this show. This is the biggest show in company history. And for some reason, even though she's there and not on television full time, they would not allow her to work. Uh-huh. What the fuck? Honestly. Hmm. Lars Sullivan, he is officially training in boxing and is interested in joining a bare-knuckle fighting promotion. Okay. Um, no, no actual dates or times or who is going to sign him are there, but he is too, I think he's too old to be going into like WBC because he's like 32. Right. I don't know why he's not wrestling, but he's not. Uh, Heath is going to be undergoing hernia surgery on March 1st, so um, we will extend our, you know, um, luck for him in his surgery. Yes. Uh, we watched that happen, and we knew that something was wrong immediately. Yep. And um, a hernia is a very scary injury. Yes. Very scary. Uh, I don't want to do the Andrade thing next, but let's, let's talk about Natalia. Okay. So, WWE on Fox tweeted a one of those oh five dollars for these people like a team thing right, right? One of those tier systems right. right um and the bottom rung was a dollar and i think it had like ruby riot Liv morgan billy k natalia and tamina right right natalia took the thing of saying that they are devaluing her monetarily and bitching that that was their reason now number one I have a couple things. I have a lot of issues with this. Yes. Number one, that is not why it's stupid. Right. This is stupid because this is circa 2012 social media right. shit. It's, it's, it's stupid. It's, and, it's and, one of those. It's one of those things to just get like. Right. Like it's interactions. It's, right. They want engagement, right. and that's something for engagement. Right. Um, the Fox promotion did delete that tweet because it did get a lot of backlash from yeah. a bunch of stupid snowflakes including Natalia. And I'm going to say this. Well, number one, well, we've I'm seen not this going to attack the wrestlers. I'm going to attack WWE on Fox for doing I'm I'm, I'm going to fucking attack Natalia because that's not the problem. The problem is that this thing was stupid. Not because they're devaluing her because nobody is thinking that. Literally nobody on earth thinks that Natalia does not deserve the spot that right. she's in. That's true. She you, Natalia, you put that on yourself. Right. They did not devalue you. They and did so not they devalue you. They can never do something like this again. Well, because... they, they shouldn't because right. it's stupid. Right. And clearly the snowflake generation is fucking here. Um, 
I got angry because this is snowflake behavior. Right. Who cares? Right. What you do, you put in the fucking work and you get credited. Right. You are the person who has the most matches of any woman ever. Right. 1,500 matches in the same company. You have done stupid storylines. You have won championships. You are their locker room leader. Right. What more credit do you need? Right. Because quite frankly, you shouldn't care about what. Like she, care. she just, she just put so much unnecessary give a fuck. Right. On this stupid no nothing social media right. shit. It's stupid. It is. Whatever. Anyway, NJPW because I will be talking about more of this later. NJPW has announced that Hiromu Takahashi is injured with a left shoulder injury. Okay. He is going to be off the tour for um, Castle Attack through the rest of the tour up until late February, which is where he is going to be defending the Junior Heavyweight Champion against El Fantasmo. The match has not been rescheduled, so what I'm going to assume is that it's not that serious. Right. Um, The same thing with, excuse me, Tetsuya Naito, who, again, is injured with knee injuries. Right. But the match has not been changed. I don't know why, and I actually did a TikTok on this today about what is what is with LIJ being cursed right, right now. I don't know. Like two injuries in New Japan, which it rarely happens. Right. But during a big tour and with really big matches happening, this is super strange. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Sammy Guevara. Uh, there was more ah, fun stuff with Sammy Guevara. There was more development based on what. He proposed to them and more details on what they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did miss, I, I did find misinformation about his original storyline. Okay. He was not supposed to be in Decay. Oh, he was? No. Um, he was going to be like a surprise six man tag team opponent that ah. I think was going to be happening this week. Oh. And he was supposed to be the surprise partner for the Babyface's side. Ah. And with him leaving Inner Circle, right. he was going to work a couple of dates with Impact and keep right. and keep the continuity with him not showing up on Impact. Clearly, that did not happen. Um, right. Everybody is good yeah. as of right now. Um, Impact Wrestling. They're not mad at Sammy right. anymore. Um, his idea, which I think I don't, I don't particularly like the idea, but whatever. I think it would have been a really cool match, though. He wanted to go into a program with um, ah. TJP okay. for the X Division champion, That'd be nice. win the belt, and take it the Dynamite, and possibly even defend it there. That was his idea. Right. Um, obviously, he is not in control of that situation, mm-hmm. and. The Impact officials did not enjoy the idea. They have every right to do that. Mm-hmm. And as an independent contractor, I can understand why, but at the same time, with such a new relationship, right. being somebody who's fully signed to AEW, this is something that you don't want to do. Right. Now, if if you were a true independent contractor, mm-hmm. like um, what Matt Cardona is, you might be able to get away with something right. like this. But since you are in, you know, fresh new partnership, there's a lot of working parts and pieces, and this right. could have this could have put a lot of people's work in jeopardy, yeah. especially right now. Not a good time. Right. Um, but everything is good for the most part. Yeah. Um, 
and Impact Wrestling decided to not use him in any tapings, at least for the foreseeable future. Okay. So he went back to um, he went back to uh, Florida. Right. Uh, what's going to happen from here? I don't know. Right. But that's just kind of an update. Uh, speaking of updates, let's talk about uh, this concussion lawsuit. Okay. Because there have been there has been a very large development in this. Okay. More than six months after the lawsuit was dismissed, so this is the concussion lawsuit, right? Um, in the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit, mm-hmm. um, the group of former WWE wrestlers suing the company is appealing in the uh-huh. U.S. Supreme Court. Okay. So now this is going Supreme Court. Um, the lead lawyer for the five former wrestlers claiming WWE did not protect them and their in um or their interests mm-hmm. for repeated head injuries and concussions that could result in CTE and other physical and mental health right. um, ailments. The five plaintiffs are Billy Jack Haynes, or William Hayes, Russ McCall, I butcher that immensely, but whatever, okay. Ryan Sakota, um, mm-hmm. whatever, uh, Luther Reigns, mm-hmm. or Matthew Wise, and the wife of the late... Uh, Viscera, or Nelson Frazier. Previously, more than 50 names were attached to the lawsuit, but with the dismissal, a lot of them try to separate themselves. Right. And actually, some of them are currently working in WWE now. Right. So, um, what is going to be happening? A Connecticut court ruled in 2018 that um, it was frivolous and... um, It was limited about what it is, and they couldn't have known, and WWE couldn't have known the concussions or head injuries caused CTE at the time. Right. Obviously, we know now, and trust me, the situation for a lot of these names are much different than what they were back in the day. Right. Um, So what are your thoughts about them redoing this uh, or appealing this Uh, into the Supreme Court? It's fine. I think it's retarded. They're they're within their rights to do it. They are within their rights, but nothing is going to happen. No. Because, number one, a lot of these wrestlers are older. Mm -hmm. They did not know, and you cannot circumvent what happened. Right. And with the wife of Frazier, he did not die from concussions. uh, concussions. He was large, so he had heart attacks. Right. So why she's in here is because she wants fucking attention. And she wants money. Exactly. Um, I think it will go nowhere, once again, no. and um, it they is what it is. They settle it out of court. Who knows? Right. I think WWE—I mean, WWE really is like, okay, this is stupid and frivolous. Right. I just—, I just Unless you can prove directly, like super directly, that, that they you— They have knowledge. That's the key. They didn't have any knowledge of Right. This. Or if your life was affected right. because of a mishap with WWE, current times given— Right. Well, again— they didn't have knowledge, so exactly. Can we just drop this whole thing? Thank you. No, of course not. They're going to continue to sue, and we're going to continue to cover it because it's news. Ugh, I hate this kind of news. It's boring. It's 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 boring, but it's important. Well, can we talk about other things now? Um, I'm not sure what else there is. Andrade. Oh yes. <laughs> God so, damn it. um, there is rumors with a cryptic tweet that Andrade um posted that he is going to be going back to NXT. Okay. Um, with the um with a pattern that we see from competitors like 
um, Finn Balor, Fandango, Tyler Breeze, that yeah. when they post something from their past, especially in NXT, they tend to show up. Right. Um, what, and obviously, Andrade's been off of TV for such a long time at this point mm -hmm. that I wouldn't be surprised. I hope to God he does, because what else can he do on the main roster unless he's thrown right. into the main title picture, which we were saying for months, but whatever. But um, other than that, really, it's been sort of a snow, uh, a snow, a snow, a, a, snow. a slow news week. Right. Um, you know, this just kind of happens, but those were just some interesting stories. All so right. when we come back, uh, Pina Gallery is going to do his Bibble study. Yes, on Ricky Banderas, Ooh. otherwise known as many other names that we will get into. Excellent. And we are back. Pina Gallery, take it away with some Bibble study. All right. So we're going to talk today about Ricky Banderas, otherwise known as El Macias, Judas Macias, Mil Muertes, um, Muerte Cibernatica. He wrestled in a variety of different promotions. Mm -hmm. But what I want to touch on is his character. Despite him going under many different names, he's always evoked this sort of death kind of character. Right. And death is very much a part of the Mexican cultural heritage. They have a Day of the Dead. The, the, um, the stylings of... Um, I guess, who is now Ricky Banderas, has been very involved in death, killing. I mean, half of his storyline has been fucking casket matches. Right. <laughs> and, you know, just all around entertaining the idea of death, which is, again, something that Mexican culture puts in very high esteem. Right. So let's go over some of the major storylines that he has had. And I want you to kind of notice some patterns that we've seen throughout the life of his real name being Gilbert Cosme Ramirez. So he got a start. I, I can't. That's weird. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> he got a start at the International Wrestling Association, very famous promotion based out of Puerto Rico. Uh, he actually uh, signed under a gimmick of El Patriota, which is a name that was created feeling the artistic names of Latin musician Ricky Martin and Antonio Bendes. <laughs> That's weird. Yeah. He debuted at about the same time in Extreme Championship Wrestling. We worked a televised match with them. And he actually formed a tag team in IWA with Herman Figueroa who wrestled as Gran Apollo and formed a tag team called La Nueva Generacion. Wow, I am. Anyways, so Cosme's character in 2000 turned on Gran Apollo, and he joined the heel stable Los Intocables with Miguel Perez and Jesus Castillo. And then he was involved in, he's been involved in many different, um, many different tag teams in IWA, but he went through a darker character change in 2000, became El Macias Ricky Banderas. And he, and again, he won, he won, um, he won various titles under this character as well. He actually also, interestingly enough, had a match where he was termed Ray Phoenix. 
And this is not the same Ray Phoenix that we know today. So um, back in the early days, he kind of had some character developments, but what we're, what we're kind of seeing is that he joins this group. It, the group is very dominant as a heel stable. And again, this is before his character really even takes that darker, like, death kind of side. And what happened was, you know, he's, he's just trying to get those ropes in. You know, he's trying to get his name out there. Right. And obviously now he's very well known for his death sort of thing. And really, I think where he got a lot of that was when he was with Tripla A, because he joined them back in 2006 and was with them for about, uh, let's see, about 12 years. Mm -hmm. And that's when he that's when he took upon himself this sort of cyber uh, cybernetico uh, theme and feuded with La Parca. And what happened was he kind of had this sort of like copy copycat sort of thing with La Parca, which culminated in the mask versus match ma mask match at Triple Mania fourteen. So following that he was injured and then he changed his character up again and again he was a part of a stable. So being part of a stable has been very much a part of his career, which is interesting because his character kind of leads you to believe that he was like kind of a loner almost. But if you look back on his career, he's been the head of many different stables, which I think is, is a good representation of kind of his style of leadership. Also, his, his draw as a character just became more and more to the point to where you knew that you were, if you were a wrestler and wanted to establish yourself as a heel, you have to join up with the guy who literally is the embodiment of death in Mexico. Right. right. Because, because, death, because with death and especially with Mexican religion being a very Catholic-based right. um, religion, it's um, very respected, but right. also the people who embody it are a symbol of evil because right. they find it to be disrespectful. Right. So... Just after he joined Tripla A, he changed his name to El Macias, and then he got his big push as a main event heel. Right. So I think really when he started to get his, I guess, maybe not his peak, but maybe one of his peaks was when he was a main event heel. And he won, you know, he he has still been feuding with La Parca at this point in time. So really... This whole dynamic between La Parca and El Macias was very much a part of Triple A during this time. Right. Um, it obviously it wasn't very well known to American audiences, but he was a huge part of the the evolution of Triple A to more of that uh, that main event kind of thing. Because you you know the the history of Mexico where it's CMLL they've been around forever. Right. And Triple A was a small fry. Right. I think, I think really they started in like 1993. Right. Yeah. And they really kind of rose up through the ranks. They really became kind of that second brand. Right. If you want to compare. Around this time. Right. If you want a comparison, it's, it's essentially like AEW right. Mexican. Yeah. Right. And, and so I think it's really interesting to have this heel character dynamic. Because if you, if you think about Tripla A, Tripla A was always about 
the outlandish kind of characterization, the entertainment aspect. Whereas CMLL is very much the more traditional wrestling style. So him having this very thematic motif about himself being this dark, you know, death-like character and really tapping into that Mexican heritage of death has been very beneficial. Huh, the, 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 the irony of wrestling lesson and the parallels between this and what I'm going to be talking about <laughs> are actually kind of insane. Right? So anyways, um, he's, had, uh, he's had a lot of uh, forays with the Triple A Mega Champion. He's been in very high-profile matches. Um, you know, if you remember the Dorma del Muerte, the Dome of Death, Right. You know, he's very, and it was really kind of like the undertaker of Triple A. Right. Because he really pioneered a lot of these sorts of death-like looking matches. You know, like casket matches. Um, you know, the, the Dome of Death match and, and various other matches. We kind of see the evolution of this character and how it, um, how it really kind of transcended even Mexican culture itself. Because... He was a part of, uh, he was a part of some American promotions as well, and actually currently is to this day. His first foray into American promotions was Wrestling Society X in two thousand and six. Jesus Christ! Yep, and uh, he actually had a different gimmick when he was part of Wrestling Society X. He was a disgruntled and kayfabe disfigured man feuding at the time with a vampiro. And again, it, it did end in a casket match. I, you know, <laughs> this guy in casket matches, he just can't get away from it. Now, if you remember his very, very well-known, this is, I think, where he got his big... This is when most people, I think, in America kind of started to know about him when he was with Total Nonstop Action Wrestling. He was Jay Mitchell's kayfabe son and thus Abyss's brother, and he was billed as Judas Messias. Uh, who can forget that character? But again, the point that I'm trying to make is that he has transcended this sort of death, decaying character from Mexico. And now it's entered into the mainstream American culture. Right. Albeit, his character was slightly different because of the American because of the American culture at the time. Right. But he played that heel, like, this sort of dark character. And I, th I think I think it was really hard for to translate that kind right. of cultural significance from Mexico. Even, even though the Mexican culture is extremely Catholic, in a way it is a very different, a different Catholicism right. than what we know of here. Right. Because, you know, with Halloween, it was more about the respect to the exactly. ancestors and portraying a lot of those um, scary things because demons are also extremely popular right. in Mexico. And that is what a lot of these people do. Right. Um, why why um, La Parca was actually very popular because dressing up as a skeleton and doing what he was doing is a show of respect in a lot right. of cultures to right. them. And I think what's really interesting, too, is that whenever he goes back to Puerto Rico, which we'll uh, talk about here, World Wrestling Council, which is the Colon's wrestling promotion, Right. Um, when he returned, he reverted back to the Ricky Banderas name. And he wasn't that sort of colorful, you know, I mean, colorful in, in sense of, like, 
um, in sense of uh, thematic, not right. actual physical. Right. Yeah. So Ricky Banderas, same style of wrestling, but just a more gritty, grungy kind of character. Right. Who wasn't in a mask or anything like that. You can kind of see his evolution across all of these cultures, which I find really interesting as well. And then, this is where it really gets interesting too, is that he was in Lucha Underground as Mil Muertes, which again was bringing that Mexican culture literally right. to and the United States. The, the man of a thousand deaths. Yes, exactly. And again, you have these casket matches, you have these unique matches that he was a part of. Right, and then they flowered it up, and right. there was a lot of symbolism there. And, I mean, I will have to at least give credit to Matt Stryker and Vampiro right. to really illustrate that cultural significance point. And yeah. I think that's why Mil Muertes got over. Yeah, exactly. because Because there was a much deeper understanding of right. what was going— or why— this is right. going on instead of what was going right. on. So, you know, and then and then that continues to evolve today now that he's involved and in, he just signed with MLW. Right. As Ricky Banderas. So, no, no, he's Mil Mertes. No, he's Ricky Banderas. No, he's Mil Mertes. I don't think so. No, he's, I'm like 99.9% .9 sure he Are is. Are you sure about that? I am like 100% hmm. sure. Okay, but anyways, uber popular death-themed character, but you can... What I find most interesting about the character Mil Muertes, Ricky Banderas, Macias, is how his theme, his his style of wrestling, his his sort of dark personality that he has developed from his years in Puerto Rico and, and going into Mexico has really kind of shaped his character in different territories. <laughs> where in one territory Puerto Rico, he's more of that grungy because they're not so focused on the masks and death, and you know that's not their culture. But then you go to Mexico, and he he kind of raises it up to a thousand. Dons right. a mask, becomes Mil Muertes, right? Or not Mil Muertes, but El Macias, or you know even Mil Muertes if you go over to America. Mm -hmm. And then you go to the south, you get this kind of monster character almost. Right. You get this like, he just got out of an insane asylum kind of character but that really resonates with people in that culture. Right. That's something that they're used to. You have the swamp, you have the mystery, you have the monsters you have, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So I really found that kind of interesting and in how his culture his cultural representation throughout different areas of, of the western hemisphere has changed over time. It makes you even wonder what kind of character would he have donned if he was in Japan, or if, we're, we'll talk about right. that. <laughs> <laughs> or if he was in in Europe, I mean, what what kind of character would he evolve into? Right. So that's kind of what I have. Do you have anything else to add? Um, not particularly. No. Okay. Well, when we come back, we're gonna do a wrestling lesson. Absolutely. With Tiger Hyde.
All right, we are back. So, with the talk about Mil Muertes, um, a very similar comparison happened, but 30 years before in Japan, and I'm talking about Kenji Muta, also known as the Great Muta, ah. which, who is, I will say, arguably one of the most influential Japanese wrestlers of this century, I'm, by a mile. I'm not going to argue with that. Uh, now, the difference was, is that even back then, Japanese culture's wrestling was very, you know, black trunks, black boots, it's all about the work inside of the ring. It was very respectful, not a lot of color, except for the great Muda, who portrayed himself as a supernatural entity, who used elaborate costumes, entrances, um, theatrics, face paint, the Mist, which we'll talk about, and also they portrayed him of having superpowers. Right. Um, and a lot of what his gimmick was is that he was a dead reincarnated samurai warrior. Huh. So a lot of what he did, um, a lot of the symbols that he had on his cheeks were very symbolic about that kind of death-related thing, which maybe right. Peanut Gallery can kind of elaborate on even further later. Um, but I want to talk about the mist because okay. there are a couple of myths of the mist. Ah! Ah! I know I thought about that all night. Nick. Now, the Grey Muda was not the originator of the Asian mist, which is also called the Japanese mist or the poison mist. Which is something that a lot of Japanese wrestlers use. Right. Now, they use it because the credit of using the mist goes to another very cultural-based thing. Once mm. again, another great thing called the Great Kabuki, mm. who is based on, I, if I'm not mistaken, a Japanese urban legend hero turned villain. And the and also, it was called the Poison Fog ah. because the character of the Great Kabuki um, in lore would always have poison fog around right. when you are around. And that's when the kids were told to get inside when the poison fog rolled this in. This is a very uh, culturally relevant episode. It is. It, it, no, it really is. And the great Muda portrayed a modern version of this. And despite them having very big similarities, the great Kabuki never trained the great Muda. Wow. Never. Um, he was trained by Antonio Inoki, actually. Hmm. So... Um, I want to talk about the mist a little bit more because there are multiple colors, and each color yeah. has its own effect on people. Nice. So, so the color theory, yeah. Yeah. So the green mist, which is the most commonly used and is to ups obstruct the opponent's vision. Right. Um, obviously, Tajiri popularized it here in, um, you know, in America with him in WWE, but, you know, um, the great Muda used it in WCW even back in the 80s. Red mist. Red mist is said to burn the eyes. Or with Gangrel, he would use red mist. Same stuff, but he would also call it blood mist. Black. Black is the storyline to blinding somebody. And this was popularized here with Tajiri um, 
spraying um, Nydia, or Jamie Noble's girlfriend, with black mist, and that's why she was blind. Um, That was actually a storyline tactic in Japan for 30 years to write somebody off of television temporarily. So they wrote her off of television Or she was, you know, using a cane and actually blind. (laughs) Um, There's blue... You have to love Ruthless Aggression WWE. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, let's, Let's talk about Blue Mist. Blue Mist is a mist that puts opponents to sleep. I haven't seen this used in WWE. No, it has not been used in WWE. It seems tacky. Yep. Yellow Mist, which is to paralyze the opponent. Oh, Jesus. What and then to Pokemon? Right. And then there's Purple Mist, which is actually to cause memory loss. Ah. This Now, this mist is generally used in backstage segments, ah. and Roxy Laveau used a Purple Mist a lot in the past because of its um, voodoo incarnation. Once again, a great thing for you to talk about. You can do one thing about Papa Shango. I was actually thinking about that. That'd be a great one. Now, let's get back to the great Muda because um, a lot of the mist that he had really incorporated into this. Um, He is a judo black belt, and he started wrestling in 1984. And his first match was against Masahiro Chono. Huh. Fun, fun fact. Um, fun. He went on his U.S. excursion in 1985 uh-huh. around the South where he won the Florida Heavyweight Champion. So this is NWA. The Southeastern United States Junior Heavyweight Champion. Jesus. And um, those were the only two titles that he won there because he came back in 1987 in New Japan. And his first uh, titles that he won was the IWGP Tag Team Champions with uh, Shiro Kachinaka. Hmm. I butchered that immensely, but whatever. He did. Um, he did compete in early WCW back in 1990. Huh. Um, this is kind of when he started his um, Great Muda character because in from the 80s up until I think like the late 80s, so 84 to 89, he was not the Great Muda that we know and love. Huh. Um, he was introduced in 1990 as the son of the great Kabuki, which is why we picked him up because their oh. because their gimmicks were very very similar. Right. Um, from the elaborate costumes to the mist to even the move set. Right. Um, except for the shining wizard. Right. Um, he came back to um, he came back to Japan mm-hmm. I think in 1991, mm-hmm. and in that time between 1990 and 2002. He won the IWGB Heavyweight Champion four times, the Tag Team Champions um, an additional five times with four different partners. Um, he won the, GY, uh, the G1 Climax in 1995. He won the NWA World Champion in Japan once. He won the G1 Tag League five times with all different partners. Jesus. And he popularized Japanese wrestling outside of Japan with his appearances in WCW. So really, he was he was really the Very person he what right he was really the first person to really bring that heavy interest of Japanese wrestling um, to the American scene because he took that great Muda character right. to America and now think of the face paint and the elaborate costumes and the mist and all of that. Yeah, kind Not, of sounds like a Japanese version of the warrior. Right. And it was literally that. He was he was um he never really got up to the main event scene, which is a crime within of itself. Right. Um but you know we saw him in some uh, WCW booking. Oh yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about that here in a second. So 
Um, he signed with All Japan Pro Wrestling in 2002. Uh-huh. And he was immediately inserted into the Triple Crown Heavyweight Champion picture, obviously. Nice. Why wouldn't you? Because at this point, he's a legend. Right. Um, he, in his time in All Japan, he won the Triple Crown belt three times, the World Tag Team Champions five times with five different partners, and, <laughs> and the Champion Carnival three times, which is still unheard of. Um, he made sporadic appearances back into New Japan mm-hmm. in 2004 through 2020. Keep in mind, his he debuted in 1984. When was he? When was he in New Japan in 2020? Um, he made. Um, he oh, made. Was, a, that, was that at the Jushin Thunder Liger's? Retirement? He did. He did the Jushin Thunder Liger thing. He was at the. Um, he was at the um, uh, Giant Baba um, anniversary show oh, okay. like a couple of weeks ago. Oh, he was. Oh, yeah, okay. um, because he was trained by you know that generation, right. so it was very respectful to at least make some appearances. Right. Cool. Um, he competed in Wrestle One from 2013 to 2020, mm-hmm. and but he only won the um, G the W one belt and the tag belt once. Right. So obviously um, with only one partner. Right. And he was he was right. He was on a part time basis at that point because right. you know um, he's been wrestling for about 40 years at this point. Right. Um, I want to talk about him because he just made his appearance in Pro Wrestling Noah, and this is the first time that he appeared in Pro Wrestling Noah, and he is their current GHC heavyweight champion. Oh, yes, and then isn't he supposed to make an appearance in America at some point in the near future as well? Yes, so I also did want to talk about the rumor that because Noah and Impact Wrestling have a thing, there is talks about Kenji Muda defending the GHC heavyweight champion and impact and then there's also talks of AEW but once again this is all rumor and speculation right um what I want to really kind of emphasize is that you know with our culture now it's so easy to access it but the great Muda yeah really brought in not only like the importance of a great character work in Japan which was so much needed at the time um, but also, he innovated a lot of moves. Right. The as I moonsault, that was a great Muda. Right. Um, the Shining Wizard, that was a great Muda. Ah. And he really popularized the Asian mist outside of Japan. Right. Um, he is. Uh, he has a. Um, I think he has like a. He's a steakhouse. Um, fine, um, a franchisee. He has a couple of different places in Tokyo. Where he does own a couple of steakhouses, very high-end steakhouses. Right. He has run for office a couple of times. Was not successful, but he did. Um, he was thinking about doing it again. Uh, and really, what what this really kind of symbolizes of number one, how important pro wrestling is in Japan. Right. But also, we really do have to thank the great Muda for a lot of things. Yeah. Um, not just that amazing character work and how important it is to have a great costume and what it really symbolizes. But also really bringing a very early interest of Japanese wrestling to an American culture. And without the great Muda and the people that he wrestled with, we wouldn't know these other people. Like uh, Masahiro Chono and, um, you know, even an early Hiroshi Tanahashi. Um, he, you know, a lot of these matches they really brought in because of the great Muda and his exposure right. in America. Nice. So when we come back, we're gonna talk about the most bizarre, interesting pay-per-views I think I've seen from WWE this year so far. 
There's only been two. Yes. But that's, you know, uh, it's still going to probably be that for a while. Okay. So when we come back, we're talking about Elimination Chamber. <laughs> we are back. Peanut Gallery Elimination Chamber. And Germany is called No Escape. So if yes. you're listening to this in Germany, it is not called the Elimination Chamber. It's called the Happy Fun Times No Escape Chamber. Now, just keep in mind that the Elimination Chamber has a different connotation in uh, Nazi land. Anyway, so uh, they had... Wow. why do you talk about Alabama like that? Wow! <laughs> anyway... Man, we lose all of our fans in Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> all of the three. <laughs> because I'm not sure if they can find the internet. Well, according to Biden, you know, blacks and Mexicans don't know how to use the internet. Anyway... <laughs> Uh, stop away from that one. Uh. <laughs> and demonetized. <laughs> demonetized. Nah, nah. If 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 you're new, we're 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 jokesters. We do that shit. And also, we don't censor ourselves because we're not lame. Ow, son of a goddamn bitch. Why don't you like put that trash can on the floor? I hit my. I have a trash can that's sitting on my table, and I keep hitting it with my hand. Anyway, so um, with so Keith Lee was pulled from the event. Right. Um, it is an injury. Uh-huh. He is injured. We're not sure what it is, but he is injured. Fine. So um, they had a fatal four-way match. It's Mustafa Ali, John Morrison, Ricochet, and Elias, and the winner takes Keith Lee's spot in the triple threat match in the United States Champion. Number one, great competitors for this match. Yes. Number two. I like a pre-show match that means something. Give me more yeah. of this, but promote it, and people might watch the pre-show. Right. And number three, this was a very good match. It was. Um, the great storytelling, um, except for Retribution, and of course, um, John Morrison rolled up Mustafa Ali, pinned him, made the entire team look like a bunch of jackasses. Right. And I find it just amazing. So, John Morrison replaced Keith Lee yep. in the triple threat match. But it was a very good match. It was. Ricochet looked great. Elias was there, and I thought he did very well. And Mustafa is a very good wrestler. You know, whatever. He's a very good pin eater. He is. So, <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> anyway, so we're going to go into the regular show, and we're going to start off strong. Kevin Owens, King Corbin, Jey Uso, Sami Zayn, Daniel Bryan, Cesaro. Elimination Chamber match. And the winner faced Roman Reigns for the Universal Chamber later that night, which was immediately. So, right. <laughs> um, Cesaro and Daniel Bryan start out. And, of course, it's Daniel Bryan and Cesaro. So, you're going to have a good, amazing match where right. Cesaro is just, you know, grabbing the flying grown men who are, you know... 220 pounds, you know, 190 pounds, like they're nothing, right. which is just amazing. So anyways, let's talk about the order of the people that came yes. out of the, that got out and of then, the pods. Right, um, out of the pods, and then we're also going to do the eliminations in that same order. Okay. Uh, King Corbin was the next person to come out. Okay. Sami Zayn came out next, and Sami Zayn was really the MVP of this right. um, oh, show. He was funny, very witty. I thought he was clever at times. It was wonderful. Um, between that, there was a sharpshooter on King Corbin, who really actually held his own, I thought. And, um, he was the first one eliminated. Kevin Owens came out next. Then Jey Uso came out next. So, Jey Uso was the last one. 
there was a, it was a while before the next elimination after yeah. King Corbin though. Um, there was a stunner on Sami Zayn for him to be eliminated by Kevin Owens. By Kevin Owens, then Uso splash on Kevin Owens to eliminate him, which was really shocking. Right, we thought that you know it was going to be Kevin Owens. Right, but um, I like Jay Uso's use of the door. So. Kevin Owens' door was trapped, or Kevin Owens' door. Kevin Owens' arm was trapped in the door. Jay Uso slammed it a couple of times, trapped him, super kicked him a bunch of times, yeah. then hit the splash. So it still made Kevin Owens look really freaking yeah, good. Um, then there was a splash on Cesaro to get him eliminated. And this is where I got really pissed off. Oh, yeah. um, I kind of went off on my Twitter. Also, follow me. It's Tiger High. I am Tiger Trump. Follow Pina Gallery. He doesn't tweet a whole lot. Anyway, um, Cesaro should have won this match, but yep. that's here nor there. But it was a running knee by Daniel Bryan yep. on Jey Uso to win the match. Right. Um, this was a great match. It was. Um, this was probably one of my favorite chamber matches that I've seen in a really long oh, yeah. time. Uh, it's just very – it was paced super nice, yeah. too. Uh you know, not too much going on. Right. Just enough stimuli. Obviously, there's a lot of great experience in here. Right. And um, Daniel Bryan, obviously exhausted because he started. And he took a lot of punishment. Roman Reigns comes out. And we have our Universal Champion match. Um, Roman Reigns got caught in a uh, yes lock. Yeah. But he got out of it. Beat the shit out of Daniel Bryan. Put the guillotine on. Choked him out. Edge spears Reigns after the match. It's official. It's going to be Edge and Roman Reigns for the Universal Champion at WrestleMania. At WrestleMania. I cannot be more excited about that. That I, was that's tremendous. It's a great match, and it's much better than Roman Reigns and Goldberg. Yeah. So I'm very happy. It was it was a really quick match. It was, it was a quick Universal Title match. Um, whatever. Anyway. Bobby Lashley, Riddle, John Morrison, triple threat match for the United States Champion. I loved this match. It was a good match. Um, John Morrison looked awesome. Obviously, Bobby Lashley looked like a monster. Oh, yeah. And um, I do have that picture of Riddle after he was... Um, so he was caught and thrown over his head in Riddle. Riddle's face was amazing, so I do have that picture. And I'll be using it quite frequently. It's, it's, it's a memeable picture. It's a very memeable picture. Um, you know, Bobby Lashley just looked like a killer, though. Yeah. And Riddle Riddle did really good. Everybody just did oh, great yeah. in this match. Um, and it was a bro Derek on John Morrison to... Win so Riddle is the United States champion, um, and with a rule, when a competitor has to be changed out, the prediction is null right. because that's not what we predicted on. Although Tiger Height got the uh, Riddle, Riddle, Riddle won, right. so I would have won anyway. But that's a rule that we have established for the Majestic Champion. Right. Because, you know, Morrison was not supposed to be in this match. Right. Um, but it was a really, really good triple threat match. And I was very happy. I was very happy with everything in this match. Nobody looked weak. Everybody looked great. Anyway, um, Shayna Baszler, Nia Jax versus Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks for the WWE Women's Tag Team Champions. And um, uh, what's his name? Reginald. Yes. Reginald came out, was going to pour some champagne for Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair for number one, why? And number two, why then? The match was still going on. And number three, why? Why, Reginald? Why? 
I'm just so confused about it. Right, I don't, I don't understand it, but the match was... Eh. And um, it was, Nia, it, was, was probably, it was it was definitely the weakest match. Of the night. Most certainly, um, and well, they, look at the competition that they had. Wonderful matches, <laughs> and um, Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax did win. I was surprised about that one. I was surprised. And uh, Bianca Belair has not confirmed the Sasha Banks match, but we know it's Sasha Banks. Oh, just yeah. just announce the match already. Yeah. Anyway. Um, finally, we're to the main event. I know. It, it was actually a fairly quick show. I was very happy about this. Yeah. Well, kind of. Um, Drew McIntyre, AJ Styles, Kofi Kingston, Sheamus, Jeff Hardy, Randy Orton in the second Elimination Chamber match for the WWE Champion. Ooh, this was a nice match. This was an awesome match, once again. Uh, McIntyre. So uh, it started off with Jeff Hardy and... Randy Orton, thank you. Uh, Drew McIntyre came in first, yeah. which I thought was interesting. Kofi came in next. He rolled up Randy Orton to pin yeah. Randy Orton. Well, I, Randy Orton was the first one eliminated, which I was shocked about. I was too. Um, obviously, Randy Orton RKO'd everybody. Yeah. And um, so AJ Styles was getting impatient. So Omas took off the back of the pod's plexiglass, like literally ripped it off. Yeah. And I knew that that pod was rigged with something because when uh, during the first elimination chamber match, kind of saw it like flop. Oh, so did you? Like, yeah. Oh, I didn't I, see I, it. I did. I did see that flop. So it's like that thing is rigged for something. Okay. So someone's gonna take it off really easily. And... I see. I didn't see that. So I was yeah. like, oh shit, that's kind of cool. Um, it was a cool visual though. It I didn't was. see it that. It was a nice visual, but yeah, no, that was that was rigged to come off easily. Oh, okay. Like it was held with Velcro or something. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and so AJ Styles got into the match fairly early, and obviously Sheamus was the last one to come in because he won the gauntlet match right. last week on Raw. Um, it was a bro kick on Kofi to eliminate him. Um, there was wonderful stuff in this yeah. match, too. Kofi, there were a lot of great spots. Kofi did a wonderful spot. You know, Kofi looked strong. Right. Um, it was a Claymore mm -hmm. to eliminate Jeff Hardy. Jeff Hardy was in there a lot longer than I thought he was going yeah, to be. Yeah, I thought be. he would have been, like, the first one to go. Right. But he, he, he did very well. Oh, yeah. um, phenomenal forearm on Sheamus to pin him. And finally, um, AJ Styles tried to go for a phenomenal forearm, but McIntyre somehow kicked up his body above his head like almost like it almost made it look like a backflip right and claymored aj styles <laughs> literally the contact was when aj styles was in mid air yeah it was so anyway drew mcintyre won what a fucking match but we knew we knew it wasn't over no what happened after the match bobby lashley attacks drew mcintyre yep like, destroys him everywhere. The Miz comes well, out. He, he applies uh, He applies the... Uh, hurt Lock. The Hurt Lock, or Full Nelson. I right. Mean, the, it's well, it's... it's yes, yeah, it's, it's a Hurt Lock, Full Nelson, and then hits him with a slam. Miz comes out and cashes in. McIntyre fights as much as he can. This is for the WWE Champion, by the way. Drew McIntyre, Miz. Miz hits skull-crushing finale and wins... The so Miz. We, we end the night with the Miz as the WWE champion. I. Uh, I was. So. <laughs> you can tell that he's just like. Was, I was. He's still processing it. Here. I. Now, this is a swerve that I did not expect. This was awesome. Last WrestleMania season. Oh, yes. Um, I don't know what they're going to do, but to be honest with you, I'll probably see what they're going to be doing with the Miz on Raw. 
Um, this is what they needed. This yeah. kind. This is the kind of surprise that people love. Oh yeah. Um, but that was the end of Elimination Chamber. Yeah. Uh, what a great fucking show. Match of the night and star rating. My star rating is a four and a half. Wow. Out of five. I loved this show. Okay. Um, it was it was just that good. I just it, WWE blew me away. I did not expect it. I thought it was just great. And my match of the night, honestly, was the first Elimination Chamber match. It was a SmackDown Elimination Chamber match. Okay. Well, I'm going to agree with you on the match of the night, but I'm going to give it a three and a half star rating. Not okay. Not a four and a half star. It was, it was good, but I've seen better. You know, for WWE, it was pretty good. But I will say for for as long of a time as I saw, you know, a good mediocre show where they pulled one of these mat one of these shows off. Where was, I mean, but there were a lot of like small things that were like okay. There were a couple of small things, but I did not really see it as a detriment to the overall flow mm-hmm. of the show. There were a couple of things like some of their videos were kind of weird, um, but I think really more it was it's just an orientation issue Maybe. more than a actual this thing sucks issue right um every 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 match meant something right. everything everything just made sense right and when they had to change something on the fly it was still a very very good match okay. so that's why i gave it a little more of a this if maybe a couple of matches were changed right. around orientation wise this could have been a perfect show all right, so what are we discussing next weekend? So next weekend, um, obviously our general stuff, news, bibble study, and uh, wrestling lesson, but then also we're going to be doing both nights of Castle Attack. Yes. And that is going, now that's Saturday and Sunday night. Right. Or so um, we'll have the show later. Yep. But uh, thank you all for listening. If you did enjoy it, remember to subscribe wherever you're watching this, share it with your friends. Um Join us on all of our social medias, and as always, be majestic.